The spirit world is active at certain points, certain times of year. Uh, you know, the spirit world's always moving. God's always doing uh, things. God is here. God is there. He's never changing. Uh, angels are always everywhere. They're the heirs of salvation. They're ready to minister at the command of the Lord or when they see a, a need and they intervene in our lives. Those things happen, right? But this time of year, interesting things happen. Whether it's connected to general conference or not, I don't know. But I know this, that there is a height, a heightened level of demonic attack upon God's people, particularly leaders, during this time of year. It seems like that late summer, early fall, there's just something that happens. There's like a shift that happens in the underworld, and there is attacks that happen on God's people. And I thought for a long time, I was the only one that thought that, because that's usually when it happens to me, but my friend uh, Hagen Lee and fellow podcaster messaged me, and we were talking about this, and I was just like, thankfully, somebody else sees it and feels it. He, he agrees with me that there is a certain... I don't know what it is. It's like an uprising of the forces of spiritual evil that will attack the mind, particularly the mind, sometimes the actual life and the surroundings of, of uh, God's people this time of year. I, I don't know why that is. You know, the demonic world, I'd, I'd like to think, operates on its own calendar. It's not, it doesn't so much go off ours, but it has its own type of calendar, its own type of uh, schedule uh, that it keeps on a regular basis in what it does. And I want to talk about spiritual warfare and just depending on things that happen in my life the next several weeks, I, I want to try to really hit this hard. And uh, things are uncertain for me. As, as we talked about last week, I am just at a place where <laughs> it's become very, very difficult to concentrate and very, very difficult to get a lot of things here and there done. We are my wife, sister G, and I are expecting our third baby, and we're trying to get everything ready for that. You know, you never feel ready uh, bringing kids in the world, but we're doing our best. And then things are just happening at the church, and just things happening in my personal life. And we'll, uh, you know, I love this podcast, but it's not the top pressing priority of my week. I hope you understand that. But uh, God allows us, opens up times in our schedules where we just sit down and we just, uh, talk and it blesses people so that's why we love doing it but i've had spiritual warfare on my mind and i think for myself and also for other people a lot of talks about mental illness lots of talks about mental mental illness i mean everywhere i look at any time i mean every day in every way uh, mental illness is here and there people are tweeting about it people are posting about it, people are captioning it, people are putting it up on their story, they're making videos, they're making podcasts, everything here and there about mental illness, uh, depression, anxiety, uh, a lot of the just things that attack people's minds out there. And I don't link all of it, but I do link some of it. If, if, it, I, you know, if it is what it is, it is what it is. Some of these things have nothing to do with um, a chemical imbalance, although many of them do. A lot of them have to do with spiritual warfare. Let me tell you this. If you're not careful, the devil will attack your mind and cause you to be totally confused at what is real. It's a tactic of the devil to cause hysteria 
in the mind of people to just believe things that aren't true. It's like he takes people away completely from reality into something that doesn't exist. That's where a lot of paranoia comes from. That's where a lot of uh, hatred for one's existence comes from. That's where uh, you find yourself having absolutely no motivation or desire to do anything for yourself or to do anything for your family, and you're ready uh, to just give up and end it all. Well, I'm not going to talk about that type of mental illness maybe another time, but I really want to talk about what I just like to call uh, the certain demon destiny destroyers. These demons that will destroy destinies, and they do it through the interjection of thought. Temptation is a biblical word for it. I used to think that spiritual warfare was only for the spiritual people. <laughs> you know, Growing up, I was the church drummer. I would testify here and there. I knew I had a call to preach. I went to Bible college, all of that. And I just growing up, I don't know, I always thought demons only attacked like really powerful men and women of God. And it would never happen to me. I thought it would happen to people, you know, that got out there in deep, dark sin. But it would never happen to me, you know. I thought it was, I was just like, not that I was like so strong and so protected, but I thought, I don't know, I don't know why. I just never, I thought it would never, ever happen to me. Well, it did. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Please consider following, leaving us a great review and rating, and sharing this episode with your friends. Also, consider giving conveniently and quickly to the production of this episode on Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo. All at Justin C. Gleason. Scroll down and see the notes for details. Have you ever read your Bible and wondered, I sure would like to see the place where this Bible was written. I would love to go and see exactly where Jesus walked and where he taught. Well, you can. Come with me to the Holy Land, November 2022. All the information that you're looking for, all of the registration, all of the details can be found at samsontours.com. That's samsontours.com. Click Groups. Click Tours, scroll down, and you will see me there. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason, and contact me at Gmail at Justin C. Gleason. Podcasting is the future. In the year 2004, a man of God, I I preached for a man of God, and after the service in the altar, he come up to me, and he said to me, Justin, in the next three months, the Lord will give you great direction for your life, for your future. And he said many other things that I don't want to take time to discuss now. And I held on to that. I knew that prophecy was real. And it was fulfilled that summer of 2004. My father asked me, my dad, Stan Gleason, said, I would like for you to finish up your senior year 
at Gateway College of Evangelism, and I'd like for you to come home and be youth pastor. And it just hit me right there. This is, this is the fulfillment of this prophecy. My dad has asked me to come home and be youth pastor. I was shocked when that happened. To be honest with you, I, th- I never thought I would end up here in Kansas City. I always, I never heard from God, but I always just kind of had a sense that I would probably evangelize, perhaps. That's just kind of what I thought would happen. It's not that that's what I wanted, but I just thought that's what would happen. I've never really been ambitious. I've never really had like, oh, this is what I want to do. Things have always just kind of come to me. And I accept them for what they are, and I try to make everything that comes to me better than the way that I found it. But I, I went out in the yard, did a prayer walk, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you should be the next youth pastor of, of, of the Life Church of Kansas City. So that next morning I said, Dad, I'm doing it. I'm excited about it. I feel peace about it. Uh, I told him about the prophecy I had. I said, God is in this. And so then that fall I started my senior year at Gateway. It was a great year. I came back home the summer of 2005 and began to be youth pastor. And our church was without a building at that, at that time. We were renting from other locations. So it was really difficult to be a youth pastor as far as space goes. But at that time for our church, just because of the previous leadership of other youth pastors and just the way our youth ministry culture was, it was very um, entertainment and social activity driven. Well, you know, I love to have fun. I love social activities, but I felt like our youth group needed something different and something greater and something better and something more important and of something more valuable. And I just believe, believed wholeheartedly in youth services, youth worship services. And I had to, you know, I had a little bit of blowback from some of the kids and some of the parents about about it. I, I don't know. I guess, I guess parents think the church has a youth pastor. That's the babysitter. The youth pastor needs to, you know, have a party or take the kids bowling or take them laser tagging every Friday night so my wife and I can go out and have some fun, you know, some fun. Well, I, I wasn't called to be a babysitter, but maybe the Lord's called you to be a babysitter, but God called me to be a preacher. He called me to be a teacher. And my title was that uh, my dad and the church board gave to me was not youth coordinator. It was youth pastor. So I thought, I'm going to pastor these kids. Well, is your pastor out there creating social (laughs) activities for you? Or is he creating some sermons for you? Come on. So I started doing uh, youth services as best as I could. And and, uh, those youth services still exist to this day on Wednesday nights, and they're powerful. And of course, we still have fun here and there. But the core part of our schedule and calendar and what we do as a system and operation in youth ministry was something that uh, the Lord instituted through me, and that was weekly powerful youth services, and they're epic. Okay, I, d- I started doing all of this, but I noticed something after we would just have powerful youth church. I would come home, and on the, w- on the way home, I would start getting the craziest thoughts that I never had. Thoughts like, you're not even really a called preacher. Why are you doing this? You can't preach for anything. You make no connection. You're not a preacher. Why don't you go into business and be a millionaire? I'm just kind of giving you the short of it, but I had all these really crazy thoughts that were so negative about myself. And I just ignored it. 
I'm the type of guy, a lot of stuff that is said, it's negative. It goes in one ear and out the other, and out the other ear. I've always just kind of pictured myself, you know, do you ever see a lion fight skunks? <laughs> so, yeah. So whenever I hear people that are just crazy and, and talking out both sides of their mouth, I, I just ignore them. I just kind of smile and eyebrow go up and I'll just say, okay, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't fight and get involved in stupidity unless I have to, unless it's, you know, hurting the whole group, you know, and stopping growth. But Leader, you got to understand this. People are just weird, and small people need big problems. Small people need big problems. And then not only that, but you got people with secret sins in their life, and the, the people that are most critical have the most sin in their life. And I learned that, and I picked up on that uh, early on in, as a youth pastor. It really, it helped me as a leader then, and it helps me as a, <laughs> as a leader now. So, yeah, I just, when, when I figure out somebody's nuts, I, I listen to them, I love them, I pray for them, I comfort them, but I don't take them very seriously. <laughs> and I just keep on going. But I just, I don't know, I, I remember thinking early on in, the, in that summer, that fall, why am I thinking these things? And I began to become so negative about my youth services, mostly towards me. I started getting really negative about the apostolic church. I started really having negative thoughts about our fellowship and our movement as a whole. And what was weird was during all this like time of personal private apathy, I mean, our youth group was growing. We were having revival and our church was having revival. You know, we were in, the, in, in a building campaign and we were building a church. But I mean, deep inside, when I was away from the church and it was just me and my car, or about to go to bed, or right when I was waking up, or by myself. I mean, I was having like a mental battle with what was good and what was bad, with what was right and what was wrong, which is, with what was supposed to be and what not to be. And this went on for a year. Two thousand and seven came, or two thousand six, two thousand seven, a year, two years, and I was at a place where I. I was just suffering in silence and suffering in an unusual way. I wouldn't talk about it. And you know what? Nobody even knew what was wrong. Nobody ever come up to me and said, Brother Justin, are you, are you okay? You know, is there anything wrong? No, it was, I don't know. I, God helped me through all of that. <laughs> and yeah, I never battled it during church. It was always before church and after church. I would have these horrible ideas in my mind about myself, about the Apostolic Church. And what's crazy is during my teen years, I never doubted my call. You know, most guys, whenever they're called to preach, that grew up in church, pastor sons, perhaps, that are called to preach, you know, between, you know, when they're young. I was called to preach when I was 11, so but before my teenage years. Most guys deal with that doubt about their ministry at the ages of 17 and 18. I didn't. I knew full-blown, full well, that is what I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to do from God. But it was after Bible college and right when I stepped into my first ministry opportunity is when all that doubt came to me. I'm not supposed to be a preacher. I'm supposed to be a businessman. You know, the apostolic church is dark. It's blind. It's, it's not relevant to this culture. You know, all of that. All those doubts came to me at, at an, a rare time that doesn't happen to most guys. I don't know why that is, but, you know, God allows certain temptation to happen to us at various 
places and times. Some guys, it happens to them while they're at Bible college. You know, they, they feel so much momentum. They get to Bible college and, and all of a sudden it's like that. I miss God. I'm not called to preach. And, and, they, and they battle that in their mind. But this went on. But you know what? It was always so slight. It was never like intense, but it was always just kind of like here and there, slightly, my mind and my heart would be vexed with negativity about myself and about the apostolic church. Everything about it, our doctrine, our lifestyle, our holiness, even about Bible prophecy, even about heaven itself, the moving of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit that became so doubtful and so cynical and so critical. But they were thoughts that kind of would come and then they would vanish. And then I would go back to being normal, you know, full of fire, Justin. This went on for a long time. And I will never forget, I was talking to my dad, and I was kind of frustrated. Um, we were in the new building by then, and I was uh, frustrated that the youth room wasn't uh, constructed yet. And I was talking to my dad about it, and all of a sudden, all of this negativity that I'd had, see, the, the thought started in the summer of 05, and this would have been the summer of 2008. We're going on three years. All this... Um, suffering in silence, where I was questioning here and there what I wanted to do with my life, what I felt like God called me to do. And I was having a discussion with my dad. And all of a sudden, I just became so argumentative with my father. And, you know, I didn't like lose my cool. I didn't like uh, slam something down. But I mean, I, I, I was disrespectful to him. And uh, just very, very rude. And the conversation ended awkwardly. You know, we both went our separate ways. I was living in my parents' basement then, and I knew you can't, <laughs> you're going to live with mom and dad. They're feeding your face, you know. You can't dishonor your parents. But it was, it, was, it was bad. It was rough. And I think my dad told my mom what happened because the very next day I saw my mom, and she wanted to talk. And I started opening up to her about the things that I had been feeling. First time I'd done it in three years. About all my doubts about ministry, all my doubts about myself. All of the negative things that, I had, that had been going on in my mind. And my mom looked at me and she said, Justin, you have a spirit after you. And I just looked at her. And I went quiet. Like, <laughs> like I'm being quiet right now. My goodness, my mind just went back to that moment. I just went quiet. And when she said that, it just like hit me. Oh my God. I do have a spirit after me. And I told you, I thought I'd believed in spiritual warfare. I'd believed in the attack of the devil, but I had never, never thought it would ever happen to me. And th this was in late summer, early fall, 2008. I went to my room, I locked the door, and I began to pray. That was one thing I never really quit doing was praying. Now, my prayer life was affected because of those thoughts. Sometimes I would bring a lot of complaints and negativity to that prayer meeting. But I began to pray, and I began to ask God for help. I began to ask God to give me direction, to give me wisdom, all of these things. This was uh, during a time of... Um, 
I guess, shall we say, a lot of uncertainty and commotion in the United Pentecostal Church. You remember that there was a, a, a movement called, they, I don't know if they even called themselves anything. Many of us called them the emergent church. They didn't even call themselves that. They actually don't like brands or names. <laughs> Unless it's, you know, like something like relevant or authentic or something like that. But anyway, but a lot of them were having these secret meetings and uh, through real cryptic type of, uh, just, they just weren't real direct about what they were trying to do, but they were really trying to steer the ship of the fellowship. And you know what, to be honest with you, I was a little bit captivated with some of their ideas, you know, because let me tell you something, bad theology is always covered in familiar language. It really is. And I was kind of captivated with this idea of, uh, you know, we're on a journey and we don't have all the truth right now. And we're on a journey and, and uh, we need to help out homeless people. And, <laughs> and, and you know what I'm talking about. You know the emergent church, right? We don't have time to get into all that. I was kind of captivated with that. But then you had another group that was wanting to depart over certain issues. And so you had all of this arguing and fighting and all of this like debate. And, you know, it really was the spirit of error that had been released into oneness Pentecost. And I, I, you know, I had that on my mind. I had a lot of things on my mind. I was very uh, critical uh, of, of, about a lot of things. But I know this. I never quit praying and I didn't have any sin in my life. And it was during that time God kept me. Okay. So when my mom tells me I have a spirit after me, I went to the room and I prayed and I poured out my heart to God. Uh, it got late. I finally, I finally went to bed. There was a man among us who I really looked up to and esteemed and loved very much. And he was close to our family, but he left uh, thinking he would have a, a greater opportunity somewhere else. And can I tell you this? He hasn't. He had a, a, <laughs> such a better life in the United Pentecostal Church than what he has now. And it broke my heart when he left, and it made me want to leave, too. To be honest with you, I thought, well, maybe he's right and everybody else is wrong. Well, that night the Lord helped me see exactly what was going on. I was asleep that night, and I woke up, and I looked over, and I'm just, a lot of this one I'm telling you, I, I don't really talk about this, but it's, it's time to start talking about it. It's just us now. and. I woke up and I look over to my right and that man is laying next to me in the bed. And I said to him, actually, he spoke to me first. He said, how are you? And I looked at him. I was shocked that he's in my room and laying next to me in my bed. And I said, I'm okay. How are you? And he went from this smiling, bright countenance that he always had. To like this, his face contorted to like this very sinister look. And he pointed like past me. And he said, look at that. And I turned over to my left shoulder and I looked. And I saw the ugliest looking thing you've ever seen in your life. It was a demonic spirit. It looked like. Like some of those orcs that, you'd, that you see on Lord of the Rings. That's the only way I can describe it. There's really nothing on this earth that's close, that, that looks like it, but that's the closest thing I can think of to what it looked like. 
And when I saw that, I said, in Jesus' name. And I woke up. I looked to my right. The man is not there. I looked to my left. And I see that very same spirit. And when it saw me, it disappeared. I got up out of my bed. And no one's, when something like that happens, it takes you a while to, to download it all. You know, you know, like you think about it on your computer to, to download a file or an update. You know, you, you get it quick, but then sometimes it takes you like a month to figure everything out. That's what a spiritual experience feels like, no matter if it's, a, if, if it's from God or from the enemy. It really took me a few weeks, actually, to download everything that just happened there. But that right there was the, another, it was like the beginning of spiritual warfare for me personally. That wasn't the only time that some, that happened. There were several other instances where I would wake up in the middle of the night hearing a voice whispering to me, a horrible sounding voice. And actually a foreign language. It wasn't English, a foreign language. And I would wake up and look and I would see this thing in my room and it would disappear. It was like as soon as it knew I could see it, it was gone. And I'll tell you why I could see it. It didn't want me to see it. It wanted to remain hidden. It had been hidden for three years talking to me, causing me to doubt myself, causing me to doubt the church, causing me to doubt the word, causing me to doubt what I was meant to be, and to doubt my destiny. Let me tell you this. If you can see the devil, God's there. Because the devil does not want to be seen unless you're summoning it. When it comes to temptation, it doesn't want to be seen. It wants to be hidden. It wants to be subtle. It wants to be you know, secretive. Because if it's exposed, you'll know it. And then you can cast it down. This happened several times, probably about five, six, seven times. I'd wake up in the middle of the night hearing this voice, like this dark, deep whisper in some language talking to me, and I'd wake up, and as soon as I'd look at it, it would disappear right through the wall. I knew I was up against something big, something deep, and you know what? I never talked about it, and to this day, I really don't know why. I suppose I was like, I don't know. I didn't want to ask for help. I wanted to conquer and do something myself. You know, because up until that point, you know, I, everything, it felt like almost everything had been kind of handed to me. You know, I was such a team player and everything I'd done, done in my life, it was like with a team, everything's a team. But this right here, it was not an attack on my family, it was not an attack on our church, it was an attack on me. I started talking to Sister G. Well, before she was Sister G, she was Sister B. (laughs) And um, I never really told her about these things, actually, until after we got married. And I'll never forget, it was uh, 2008. It It was actually right after all this stuff gotten exposed, Anna and I started talking. And after we got to talking very seriously, I started saying things to her like, you know, I'm not so sure if I'm really meant to be a preacher. 
I think I'm meant to be a businessman and meant to do this and the other. And I said, you know, ministry is full of, you know, it's a lonely road to walk and, you know, it's constantly serving and you're, you know, constantly having to pander and, and just going down the list, you know. I was really trying to talk her out of it is what I was trying to do. And after I just said all of this nonsense, she said to me, absolutely not, Justin Gleason. You are a man of God and you're called to preach. And she, she said some other things. It was just like the Holy Ghost and prophecy moved upon her. I remember thinking, is she serious? Oh, my God. It took my mother and my girlfriend at the time to help me to clearly see the light. And I did. We got married in 2010, and the same temptations were going on. It had gotten a lot better. The temptation and demonic attacks weren't so close to each other. Like, it was spread out. You know, in, in 2005, 6, 7, and 8, I mean, it was like every other day. It was just like a pressure constantly on my mind when I was outside of church, when, it was by my, when I was by myself, just this pressure on my mind, doubting everything that God wanted to do in my life. In our first year of marriage, the demonic attack started happening again. And one night, I opened up my eyes, and I could see out of my peripheral vision that thing standing there in my room looking at me. Anna was asleep by me. And I called upon the Lord. I didn't look at it. Called upon the Lord. And I said, God, I'm ready for it to be over. And it was like this force, this energy came on me. And I stood up and charged right at that thing and grabbed it by its hair and drug it out and threw it out of my apartment. Then all of a sudden I woke up. And God was in that room. It was, it was all in a vision. Sometimes the spirit world is real in the real world, and other times it happens in a vision. And I got up and prayed, and the Lord said, You have passed the test. You have passed the test. The temptation is over. And since 2011, I have gone to a whole new level. And anointing, and power, and gifting, and anointing in the spirit. Temptation is real. Temptation to sin. The devil tried to get me with that. And I said, no, I didn't want to have any part of it. I saw through all that. And I, I still, by the grace of God, still see through all of that. Through prayer, through Bible reading, through fasting, through keeping my flesh in subjection. I have kept my life clean. I'm not saying that I, I am like invincible. No, we are all <laughs> in our flesh dwells no good thing. But I haven't been tempted to sin in a long time. And if that time does come, I'll be ready for it. In Jesus' name. The devil can't tempt you to sin. He will tempt you to doubt your destiny. You look at it with Jesus. Do you see Satan in the wilderness tempting him to sin? When I say sin, you know, adultery, fornication, drugs, alcohol, rebellion, all of that. No. You know what you see him doing? Tempting who he is. If you're the son of God, do this. 
you know, if you're truly God, fall down and worship me and I will give you these kingdoms. If you're the son of God, the angels will help you if you jump off of the, of the temple. It took me years to finally figure out exactly really what was going on there, but I was being tempted, tempted to walk away from the will of God, to walk away from the call of God. Because when you're about to step into something big, you're about to step into something that God has prepared for you, better believe it, the devil is going to be there to try to deceive you. He will try to steal and destroy the destiny that God has for you. That word destiny, you know, it seems kind of like a, uh, I don't know, like a fictional world. It's our destiny. Well, it, it kind of is, but I don't know what else to call it. Really, the destiny, is, as far as this goes, this context, what we're talking about here, it's the plan of God. It's the will of God. It's what he has determined for your life. You know, when we think of spiritual warfare, we think of screaming the name of Jesus, and we think of, you know, anointing everything with oil, casting the devils out, and there is that. I've been a part of that. But the type of spiritual warfare that I'm talking about, it's not that way. It is warfare that is won, as James taught, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The whole context of that verse is submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And that's what was going on for me. I kept resisting the devil. Let me tell you this. There were some times I would have so much doubt in my ministry, I would walk to the pulpit and think I had no word and nothing to say. <laughs> and I would get up there. And you know what's something? To, to this day... I still get nervous whenever I podcast or whatever I preach, but as soon as I read the scripture or start talking, it's like the nervousness just boom goes. Sometimes I get in that pulpit not even believing in myself, but God would help me. During that entire long stretch of all those years of all that temptation, you know who was there constantly? God. I sometimes wonder if it went on longer than it was supposed to. I don't know. I know this. I came out of it strong. I came out of it victorious. And I've never seen that evil spirit or ever had any of those thoughts since 2011. It was a a six-year deal for me. It was really bad in the beginning. It got a lot better through the inside of my mother and my girlfriend. And I I tell you this, I, I thank God I went through what I went through. Because this story that I shared with you, and I've given you the very condensed, without all the explicit details version, I'm just not ready to talk about it, you know, for the world to hear. I talk about it personally with people that I perceive are going through the same things I'm going through. But let me tell you this, the devil can, he'll destroy your mind. He will make you believe in things that are not real. He's a master at doing it. and. I just really feel like there's somebody that's going through this fall of 2021. You, for years, had so much aspirations of doing something great for the kingdom of God, but now all of a sudden, like, you know, that was all made up. That was all emotion. That was just all, you know, all of my feelings. Well, let me tell you this. Emotions and 
and feelings, God will work through them. You know, you can't have all of these hopes and aspirations and all of a sudden they're just gone, poof, like that. Oh, no, that's the devil trying to steal, trying to steal the plan of God out of your life. That's what he does. And he usually does it right before it's about to happen or right when it happens. Look at Jesus. It's right after his baptism, boom, the temptation happens, right then and there. Uh, look at Adam and Eve. After God set up their destiny, gave them the word what to do, who is there? Boom. Satan. I mean, look at David after he had conquered so much and he takes one season off from going to war. And who's there? Bathsheba. Uh, You look at David again, you know, the kingdom's great. It's expanded. All the the enemies are conquered. And, And who stands up to tempt him? Satan. They take a consensus of the people. I mean, just over and over in the Bible, you see this. You look at the book of Acts after the day of Pentecost, after the miracles, all of a sudden, you know, the confrontation and the persecution comes. Don't think for one minute that you're just exempt from spiritual warfare. If you're not getting attacked by the devil, you're not doing anything to bother him. You're right where he wants you to be. But if the devil is bothering you, and you know you have no sin in your life, because sometimes we think that the devil's bothering me because I have sin. Well, he does. The devil loves sin. You know, you got sin in your life, you're making a place for the devil. You're ignorant of the wiles of the devil. You will have demonic activity in your life. When you know you are living right, you are following the Lord, you're obeying his word, and you're getting attacked in your mind, it's not because you've done anything wrong, you're doing something right. The devil wants to do everything he can to destroy what God wants to do through you. So don't think you're oblivious from it. Oh, no, it's there. It's real. I'm definitely going to have to pick up on this in the next few weeks. Man. If you're going through something like this, continue to pray. And ask the Lord just to open your eyes to really what is going on. And ask the Lord to speak again plainly and clearly what he is supposed to do, what he wants to do. And write that out and focus on that. Let me tell you, the lies of the devil can be very convincing if you're not careful. He will come to you in weak moments. He'll come to you in times of of trouble. Mm, Jesus' name. Father, I pray right now for all the loyal listeners. That your spirit right now would move upon them where they're listening to it, this podcast. And I pray, Lord, that your hand, Lord, would be upon their life. And that your eye, Lord, would continue to watch over them. I pray in Jesus' name, amen, that you would never let them go, but you would keep them close in the palm of your hand. Lord, as you were tempted, Lord, we also are tempted. And I pray that you would be with us during the time of temptation, Lord, because it's gone out through, out through all out the earth, Lord. And we're not only fighting, Lord, these individual demons that are trying to destroy us as individuals, Lord, but we're fighting against the spirit of Antichrist that's alive in this world. And I pray for strength to come to your people right now. Lord, we want to be used by you. And you know who else is right there? It's the devil. The devil would like to use us. But, Lord, I pray that our destinies, Lord, would become obvious to us, would become clear to us, would become peaceable to us. 
And I pray, Lord, whoever is in their life, whether it's their mother, their girlfriend, their pastor, their youth pastor, whoever it may be, send somebody with a word to them, Lord, I ask you. Send somebody, Lord, who is suffering in private and suffering in silence a word of direction, of hope and healing. I pray in Jesus' name that we are not, we have no fear to engage in spiritual warfare. I ask these things in Jesus' name. I love all of you very much. It's going to be okay because if God is for us, then who can be against us? Mm-hmm.